when we watch Drag Race and we watch really anyone in the media, no one got there because it was just like a super easy life that led me to just, wanting yeah. to do this. Like, it's yeah. always very like, oh, I'm very insecure. You know what I'm going to start doing? <laughs> Comedy. Welcome back to the Maria the Till Show. And I am so energized for this particular episode because I've just come out of a chat with someone who I think is pretty bloody spectacular. And we talked about everything from masturbation to drag to coming out to Korea. And I'm just in awe that I get to meet and connect with people like this. I'm speaking to none other than guest judge, evil doctor, redheaded national treasure, Reese Nicholson. So you might know Reese. They are a multi-award winning Australian actor, stand-up comedian, podcaster, and colleger. And they've done everything from live comedy work through to being a permanent judge on RuPaul's Drag Race, where we met. But beyond the very funny and very glittering career, I just think Reese is such an incredible and inspiring human, which I know when you listen to this chat, you are definitely going to see this for yourself. When I'm really passionate about something, I'm horny for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I agree. Can you tell? I get horny for things. I can't believe you knew that I wanted people to feel horny when yeah, they watched it. You want to you wanna fuck this podcast. I want people to be like, I might masturbate yes, to this yes, podcast. Yes. And you know People what? should be masturbating to lots of things. Just prop my video up on the side. Mm-hmm. That's what really... My parents watch this. I'm sorry. Okay. No, that's fine. Sorry. Hey, you, you have a sexually confident daughter and you should be happy you about that. You should be so You've proud. Right. They have. It's not problematically horny. It's not... No. It's not like publicly, you know, public indecency or no, anything. No, like no, that. It's no. always like very private or on my Instagram. Yeah. Broadcasted to my entire audience. Yes. But who... No, they're just close friends. They're just, you know, close friends. Nothing much. But I'm so glad you're on the show. Thank you. So we've gone from the RuPaul panel... Yes. ...to my show. Where we Here we are. I know. Strength... But, and I don't have a show yet. This is bullshit. You should... I mean, Reese, Reese, Reese kind of qualifies that's, as a yeah, show. Yeah, that's true. That's you true. You did win most... Outstanding Thank show God. at the yeah. Melbourne International Comedy Thank Festival. You. So I think no you do have a you know show. All these things. Okay, I think there are notes, but I'm well researched. Yeah, yeah. Or a stalker. Yeah. You decide. I'm happy for both. How are we going press week for RuPaul? It's fun. It's like, it's my favorite kind of press to do, I think, because it's usually kind of like, the, it's like, and it's people that have either been on the show or people that like the show, and you're not having to like, Whenever I've done press for Drag Race, I'm not selling it. Like, as in, I'm yeah. not like, I'm not <laughs> like please watch, watch it, please. Like, you're not trying to point them to some obscure documentary about, like, <laughs> you know, something in the Philippines the or something. history of drag, please. Yeah, it's like people are already kind of on board and they more just want to yeah. hear, like, the tea about it and that sort of thing. So it's, it's pretty fun that way. What is stressful about it, and you would be experienced, you would have had this in your life as well, where I'm used to talking for myself about myself, like, talking about, my own shows or I'm a guest on something, but now I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm the one Australian judge, like permanent judge that's in Australia and does all the press for it. And I'm always just terrified because, you know, I know stuff Mm. and stuff that I'm not allowed to, like it hasn't come out yet. And I know all this, I know who the top three are. I don't know who's won yet, but I know who's up for it. And it could just come out. It could. And like you even know, because you you were in week two, right? Yeah. And so. And something occurs. Oh, yes. Yes, it does. Now I remember what we were talking about. Thank you. And that's what I know what you mean. You're like, you don't want to say you should watch my episode because. But but something happens. Something momentous happens that we shouldn't like. 
it's not like a. It's really great. Like it's no, a, it's actually it's, a, it's not great. It's full on. It is. It's but it's a lot. I gotta say, it's good television. Like the person involved is fine, but it's good television. I feel like already there's that thing of how much can we get? Yeah, away? exactly. Everyone's well. I feel like you know you're seriously like. The one Australian judge mm. on one of the biggest cult shows in the world. Oh. And it's amazing because, and I want to celebrate this for a minute, you won most outstanding show at Melbourne International Comedy I Festival. I did last it's year. freaking amazing. It's pretty nice. It was like, it's a bit of a thing. Like yeah. it's a bit, but you know, you tell your parents about it and they're very proud of you, but they don't really know what it is. No. Like, you know, or like they're like, you know, there's certain media awards mm. as well that you say like, I won this. And they're like, okay. And they're like, cool. Is that, and do you get a check with that? Or like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Cause I think, you know, as successful as we get in our business, our chosen professions, um, and even that's a privilege that we get to choose, like we're in our chosen, like that's wild mm, that we mm. get to do things that our parents will, even as supportive as they are, will never not be worried that maybe we've made the wrong choice that we should have been a doctor <laughs> or something. Like they're always like, and that's great. But like, so do you think teaching is still maybe an option? Oh, yeah, or yeah. like, do you yeah. still kind of get that kind of, I mean, I guess. I, I get worse. It's like they actually punch up. So my parents last year, they asked me, why I wasn't at the Met Gala. Yeah. So it's not just like, mm. oh, like maybe you should fall back on a safer career. They're expecting the next like more, thing. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, so were you invited? I'm like, are you serious? No. And my mum goes, no, 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 to my dad. She goes, no, no, it's in America. She can't be there. I'm she like, yeah, that's why it. I'm not at the Met Gala. She has like, podcasts to do. She has yeah. podcasts. I think so. my, my parents are <laughs> a little bit similar to that as well, where it's like they almost, in a very beautiful way, they don't quite understand the industry to, you know, You've been working a lot on the project yeah. lately mm. and I've been a guest on the project a lot and my mum sees that and she says, well, and so how many times do you have to be a guest before they put you they on? They make, the, you, make a you a permanent. panel. It's like, that's not, well, how many times do you have to get surgery before they make you a surgeon? Like, there's no, like, that's not, <laughs> like, it's not really how it works. Like, like, but it's like, I understand that you're trying to digest yes. this. I think it's sweet though, because... It is an unconventional career. Yeah. Like anything creative. And when you said, oh, we're so lucky to get to do what we love, it is. Like you're, it's wild. And for that generation, this entire landscape continues to evolve. Even for people who started their career, you know, maybe say 10 years ago, people are coming up in comedy now just from TikTok. Yeah. And getting acting and it's gigs. Fine. And, it's, and you're like, and I'm <laughs> and we're not fine about that. salty about it um, at all. Mm, mm-hmm. Nervously sweats and drinks water. Yeah. It's a different landscape and I think it's beautiful that your parents are trying to support you. Yeah. And with your show, because when we talked and when we met, you were telling me, I'll oh, come to this venue and I still have to come down. Come on down. When I was looking up your show, can I tell you the thing that made me go, I need to go bloody see this show? It was when you were talking about how <laughs> you said the most exercise you did in lockdown mm-hmm. was you trying to have sex with your partner under a weighted blanket. Yeah. And it's, okay. and it's, a, like, and it's, it's true. I like know. I bought, I ordered a weighted blanket during COVID and at one point things got frisky and it yeah. was under the weight of blanket. And we, I reckon we went for a good few minutes before we were like, we need to get this blanket off. A few minutes. We were like getting, we were getting puffed. That's pretty good. Thank Have you. you. Ever tried, uh, look, I've tried to masturbate under a weighted blanket. Yeah. Very difficult. Smush, don't recommend it. I don't have the upper body strength no. to like find the weight of the blanket. So like, I'm just like, no, I just, I, don't I really think it wanna... was more kind of, because it creates a barrier. Like I remember, like you got to try and get your hands up under it and then over. <laughs> and then you, yeah, trying to like, I don't know what the rating of this is, but trying to, trying to give you your partner, you know, your partner of 12, it's 12 years like to a... the hand job. Yeah. You kind of, you've, you're trying, but it's like a, a hand job is tiring. As somebody who is pansexual, a hand job is tiring enough. Mm. Like it's tiring enough. So if you're trying to do it 
under the weight of oh a my blanket. God. Don't and the, recommend. The stroke up is hard, but the one down quite heavy. Like then, it's you, actually you painful rip for them. Off. I imagine. Yes, it's like you're coming down with the weight of a thousand. Got <laughs> risk like, of tearing. Oh yeah. Oh. Mm, mm, don't recommend. Mm. And that is the show. Yeah, thank, thank you for, for joining, coming, everyone. Thank you. Have a good night. <laughs> Masturbate responsibly. Not under a weighted blanket. That's great. Uh, sorry, mum and dad. I'm not apologetic. And you know what? Have you always been that way? Little segue. And now I'm shifting into like therapy gear. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about your childhood. Mm. No, mm, uh, more just were you always into comedy? Because now you've done so many live shows and I feel like your career, it's not just stand-up. Comedy has been a vehicle for so much other growth. So when you were younger... Were you the class clown? Were there like were the signs there that you were going to be this? I, I think so. I wasn't the class clown. I think I wanted to be the class clown. And like <laughs> everyone had in their class, there was like the actual funny person and then there was someone who was like... Try, can I be like, like VP? Yeah, I, can I be that? Can, can I be I that? Can I be the VP funny and person? I, I think I wanted to be very funny. And I turned out I grew into being funny. Mm. But I, always, I think there's two types of comedians. There's people that get not pushed into it, but like their friends tell them they're funny and then they sign them up to an open mic night. And like the story <laughs> of like, and then they become, become it by accident. And then there's yeah. the ones that are like, I want to be a comedian from a really young age and I'm going to work. And I'm the latter. Like I started doing gigs when I was like 16 and was not good, but just kept doing it and, and sneaking into bars and doing open mics and moved out of home when I was like 18, moved wow. to Sydney. When we watched Drag Race and we watched, stand-ups and uh, we were really anyone in the media. No one got there because it was just like a, a happy, like a super easy life that led me to just, wanting yeah. to do this. Like I walked or, in. Yeah, it's yeah. always very like, oh, I'm very in- insecure. You know what I'm going to start doing? <laughs> Comedy. That's, okay, so or I'm going to start doing drag. Okay, so with you then? Like, would, do you I, feel like things sort of naturally gravitated you towards that because of certain experiences you had when you were growing up? I think so. Like, not in a, you know, I, I'm very lucky that I don't have some grim backstory. Like, I'm deeply lucky that my family and as, as they should have been but uh very open to me being queer straight away and like yeah. very, not just open but like super supportive so yeah. i'll never take that for granted but like you know we had money troubles when i was growing up but my parents both work in the arts so I, we grew up kind of working class if you can kind of call that mm. in australia but so i think both my sister and i we both work in the arts but we both have work ethics my parents the way that they raised me and my sister to not take hard work for granted and also plan your life but be willing to be open. wander off mm. and things might like it's kind of I was talking to someone about this the other day where and this sounds very hippy dippy but like the way that I plan a stand up set, so if I'm doing twenty minutes somewhere, I'll plan how I'm gonna start and end and then I'll just think, Oh, what happens in the middle? I'll it's all written material, but mm. I'll whatever I remember. But also if something happens in the room that's funny and then I can jump off I need to be comfortable and nimble enough to wander off and deal with that and forget about the ending because you might be able to just finish it another Mm. way. And I think living your life like that is kind of a positive thing to be like, have a goal, but don't... Because the audience doesn't know they didn't get this thing at the end. Yeah, 100%. But do you know what you just said about work ethic? I 100% agree. And I feel like I've only been in this space for two years, right? Yeah. And... It's working out. It's it's, it's, it's been a pretty bloody good two years. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, people don't see how many times you're told no Mm -hmm. or when it's not working out. Mm -hmm. And they, I think the difference between the people that eventually have the door open is you're not willing 
to go, oh, well, shit, it didn't work out for me and turn around. Like, I think you have to not be willing to take no for an answer and you have to be nimble enough to move laterally and not be wedded to your ideas of this is how it's meant to go. If this doesn't happen, then I'm a failure. Well, that's it. Or it's not for me. Like, that's it. And the work is, and this sounds a bit wanky maybe, but the work is people not seeing the work. That is what yeah. our entire industry is based at. Like, the Smoke whole and mirrors, thing, baby. Yeah, the whole thing is like, you know, when you watch shows like The Project, person, like you're doing such a great job on that show. Personally, I cannot imagine a worse job for me. In <laughs> Why? Like, well, it's because, like, <laughs> if I was it, I'd be, I'd be the Sam Taunton role. Like if I was to get that job, right? Yeah, so I'd be like the, be, you would be. And the the role of that job and, and the job of everyone on those panels, and I'm just I'm not just talking about the project. I'm talking about like all shows like yeah. this, where you're funny, you're funny, and then you've got a side hustle into like and two million are dead <laughs> in this thing, and then everyone's got to have, voice have a conversation. Down, yeah, thank you. And you're that's, welcome. That's a really hard, yeah. and it's live television, yeah. and so every time someone complains about those types of shows or like this isn't exactly what I want it to be. It's like, do you know how much work is going on right now? And even just even, you know, in like the meetings that go into curating that show Mm because the news is constantly changing. And then news can happen and the whole show changes. Literally. And like I've been in those situations where, you know, you're 60 seconds to go to air. We've actually changed this. Can you just wing it off this? And it's like you have to be able to. And you have to have an opinion about everything. Of everything and, and knowing how to articulate it. And I feel like, I mean, I still think you'd be incredible, but I get what you're saying. You really have to shift gears, whereas it's so okay to not want to do that stuff. Yes. And, like, if you want to go on and, and, and do a bit that's just committed to a certain tone, that's fine. Yeah. And I feel like with your career, like, you know, you know when to be open mm-hmm. and when to be relaxed and a little bit lenient and, and go, okay, I'll, I'll shift gears, I'll try this. But it's also okay to know what you don't want to do. And I think yeah. sometimes that's more important. So what would you say, because your media career, since, you know, you started doing stand-up, like let's just take a moment to just absorb how incredible it is. And I don't know if you're one of those people who get uncomfortable when people start rattling off your achievements. Bit, but like sure. for anyone who's not, well, let's make you uncomfortable. Yeah. For anyone who's not, like overly familiar with your body of work. You have done your stand-up shows. You've won Most Outstanding Show. Your work has received awards and accolades globally. You're an evil doctor on Netflix. Yeah. And you're on Taskmaster next year. Yes. So it's, it's almost like, one, do you ever sleep? And two, what would you say is pivotal to being able to build your career like that? Because it's it's so varied and there are people who literally, like you said, they set out to be able to say, I want to do that. I want to be able to have a career yeah. like that. Was that you or were you just open? Like what has been pivotal I think pivotal I was there? pretty open to start. Like I'm, I'm trying – I used to be a lot hungrier, I think, and I still am like ambitious, mm. but I think I'm trying to be a bit more, you know, not putting work first yeah. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I was for a long time a very work first type of person to the mm. detriment of many pivotal relationships in my life. Um, I get that. Yeah, yeah, and it's like trying to get better at – saying no to things from time to time and and being but again that's a huge and i try not to take that for granted like Mm. that i can say no from Mm. time to time now i think it's what we were talking about understanding what my strengths are and trying to you know uh i just did taskmaster we filmed it and it comes out i think we don't have an air date early next year i Mm. think and that was a real eye-opener to uh i really enjoyed myself and had a great time and i love being in shows like that and watching the host, Tom Gleason and his sidekick, Tom Cashman, was like a masterclass in good television making and they were mm. really great. And it made me go like, oh, I need to learn how to, because I'm not good at that type of stuff. I'm not good at hosting. I've never really hosted mm. a show. I don't have a podcast. I don't like, I don't have that kind of 
experience that made this is like I'm giving an example of like it made me go oh I should learn how to do that because maybe mm. that's the kind of stuff I want to do next mm. and I've always been a contestant never a bride um, but it, <laughs> because it the made, I, permanent judge on yeah. the drag race <laughs> but that is but that's not, not like I get to kind of sit there like you've yeah. done it now like it's yeah. it's, a, it's hard but it's easy like it's, it's well, if you've got I, I the see skill what you set mean. like you don't necessarily have to steer like I know what you no. mean it's, it's you're, you're a part a lot of, of a, work in that yes. show like it's, Which I've seen, like Rue's calling a lot of shots and and making sure everything's swimming. And it's you're like, a rare person to have seen that. Like I can now talk to someone outside of Michelle <laughs> to be like, like Do you get isn't it? that wild? Yeah. Like I think people, you know, there's an incredible crew on the show on Drag Race, and there's an incredible director that directs the show. But Rue in the room, like she's been doing this show for what 16 years or whatever. Mm. The show is hers. Like yeah. it is her television program. And so everyone that has this idea that like, and yeah, she does it for money. Of course she does. It's her job. We all do it for money. We all do like, it for let's, money. Like, let's not do, like, let's, let's not do people that. People are getting paid for things. Spoiler yes. alert. Yes. But I think there's this idea of Ruth sometimes that she's this kind of cold, like, you know, kind of ethereal being that doesn't give anyone the time mm. of day and stuff. Mm. But once you were in there, like, you know, she has her moody days, but... So she, was everyone. In, she was incredible when I was there. Yeah, I, and she I like, feel like you go, and we we're like chatting in between shoots and like and just so like literally in like slippers and a jumper because the set was a little mm-hmm. bit cold and we're all just like bantering and then bam it's like on and then she's on. So do you get the thing where it's this thing of you've done all this amazing stuff and this is coming up next and this is coming up next, separating yourself from your career and being able to sort of just sit with. Reese and I'm proud of Reese and I'm okay in this moment. Do you know what I mean? I do need to get a lot better at that. I was talking to someone about this just the other day about how I just need to get better at not taking friends and family for granted and just knowing that, oh, in the last few years from being a bit go time about work, I've definitely lost people. Yeah. <laughs> like not And not in heinous, big, no, aggressive ways. No, it's just ways. life gets in the way. Just kind of life gets in the way and they're people that were really important to me and yeah. still kind of are and now the work is like yeah. getting those people back and, and, you know, looking after the relationship that I have now. And also then your relationship with yourself. So like mental health wise, that's one thing that I know for me for a number of years I put it on the back burner and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, this is my window. Like I've got to work really hard. And, and I'll, yeah, and I'll, I'll just be less crazy in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I'll, just, I'll, I'll set aside I'll some time through. to be not crazy then, but now yeah. I've got to be, I've just got to struggle yeah. through this. Yeah, absolutely. How do you, how do you manage yours? Um, my, I mean, it's a good question. <laughs> like, how do I manage I don't, <laughs> no. Um, I go through little bouts of like, I'll see a psych from time to time, but I need to get much better at that. Like, mm. it's only kind of, I, I go for little tune-ups, but I don't do mm. it nearly enough. Mm. My partner is very good at managing it, but that is not fair to him. Mm. Uh, I have like little, you know, there was a time I toured pretty solidly for about 18 months that finished about near the end of last year and then I do it again this year, but like mm. basically just kept saying yes to things like, and mm. it was all over the world and it was very, it was like wild and great. And the show that I won that award for did quite well. And so we took it to New York and we went to LA and did these festivals in Montreal and like, and I was onto a solidly no nights at home for pretty close or like I'd be at home for a night mm. for like about seven or eight months and went, 
crazy. I mm. went crazy, but yeah. in a way that I didn't know I'd gone crazy. Yeah. And uh, just thought I was just like, it's the hustle, baby. I got to keep going. I got <laughs> to keep grind. going. Yeah. I, it's yeah. just the grind. This is what it's meant to be like, right? Everything yeah. I ever wanted is meant to feel like this, right? Yeah. And like not sleeping and probably drinking too much and like smoking a lot of pot. And Kyron, my fiance, it became clear at a certain point that he was like putting up with yeah. a lot. Yeah. And you know, we were like, we never got to the point where it was like, oh, is this bad? But I started to feel like, oh, I need to get myself together and stop treating work this way Mm. or I'm going to end this, the most important relationship I've ever had and will ever have. And so it's like, and you know, that's not a, it's not some deep tragic story where like, but it's just an example. It's an awareness. Yeah. And it's realizing that we were drifting apart and pretty, profoundly mm. and I could feel I think he would never say this out loud probably but it's like oh if I don't do that like this leads to everyone had a friend who's had a family or something where it's like I don't think those parents are in love anymore no <laughs> and you, like, you know I mean like that couple. yeah I don't want to be that couple yeah. and like yeah uh, and just knowing that like they're just staying together because it is convenient and it would yeah. be inconvenient to break out yeah um and so yeah so putting the work more into that and just not I think I'm lucky that I'm just old enough to have missed the kind of TikTok kind of like there's not a metric on my success mm. in the same mm. way. Yeah, yeah. Like I think you built younger you kind of entertainers did it a little bit more like I think younger entertainers coming through think they need to do that to yes. come through. Which yeah. it helps, sure. Yeah. And I know, and by that I don't want to by I, we know plenty of people that are older that also are successful on TikTok and that kind of thing. But it's like you know, it's about followers and views and and I totally understand it and things change and part of this industry is changing with it and that kind of thing. But the idea that everything I do is to get be commodified. More, to be commodified and yeah. maybe get a little bit more money because of this thing and that thing. I love money. I'll do most things for money. Yeah. But the idea so of put waking in your requests. Up, the idea of waking up every day and being like, what is my content today? Yeah. Sounds fucking exhausting. exhausting. I think I really appreciate, and again, yes, not younger generation, but I think a newer generation, what has come through with the landscape. Yes, it's it's social media and it creates opportunities for people who maybe otherwise wouldn't be able to be in those rooms. Yeah. And I feel like. It's ignorant to be like. No. Social no, well, media are stupid. No. Well, full disclosure, like the way I got into Miss Universe and I think the reason I won is because I leveraged social media yes. and I was not what people expected for my time. Yeah. So it's like that worked for me. But I see what you're saying in that I'm like you, I find it exhausting if that was the only thing that I was doing and feeling like I have to commodify everything about myself. And so I I love that what you've arrived at, because for anyone who's listening, I think this is so valuable, is people might look at people like yourself and they will see your success and they see all the amazing things you do. And that's what they aspire to. and, And it's amazing to have ambitions and goals. But when you go for it so aggressively without balance, I think it's very easy to lose sight of what's actually important. And it's like you lose your boundaries. Like I think yeah. if you're saying yes to everything all the fucking time, mm. you start to lose hold of what, well, like where your integrity is. And integrity is sometimes a privilege, mm. I think. Like yeah. you have to like to say no to things is a wild privilege. That's and, a privilege, yeah. But if you are in a position that you can and you should – then it's very powerful. Like, you know, we're seeing Kim Cattrall, her power of saying no, like, you know. <laughs> but but truly it is seeing things like that and, you know, thank God she said no. 
I think that is really important because if you're saying yes to absolutely everything, you're losing hold on what your worth yeah. is. Like 100%. you're losing hold on what your actual value is to a situation if you're constantly going, yeah, I'll do that, yeah, I'll do that, yeah, I'll do that, yeah, I'll do that. Like there's been times, you know, I'll, I, I'm happy to do voices. I do like a few voiceovers for certain jobs, like mm. voiceover work and stuff. But there is certain things I'm like, I've got, oh, a, oh. I've got a particular voice that sometimes they what like, if, yeah. there's been a time that I think, like, you know, I was a Christmas elf in a Myrad and things like that where they want my style of voice. But if ever I'm asked to do like a, um, I think I got, I got asked to do like a hardware radio ad or something. <laughs> and the joke was clearly yeah. like. Um, Listen to this camp this, boys doing a yeah, hardware radio. This, this, this faggot doesn't know how to use a hammer. Like, like, yeah. th- th- but like that type of, that and it was it. like, I'm not going to say yes no. to that. And it was good money, but it's like, that is not, a u- that's cost? not useful to yeah. me. And sure. Someone else probably just did it or they got some old straight guy to, <laughs> to do the voice instead. <laughs> yeah. But it's like try, and that's a very strange story that is maybe not relatable to everyone. But it's like trying to f- find what is your what is your kind of compass of mm. like what's going to be useful to you and what is like just a money grab. I feel like you're very yourself, and mm. one thing that I think is amazing that you brought up is that your family were very accepting, like when you came out, and 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 it's amazing to me that you know you didn't even have to. You've talked about not even having to come out because can I just tell you in my family, unless you talk about it, everyone's just going to pretend you're like straighty 180 the yeah, whole yeah. time. My brother knew every Gloria Estefan song. Mm-hmm. He knew the lyrics to like Buttons by Pussycat Dolls mm-hmm. and my parents were like, he's just sensitive. Yeah, yeah. And it's Whoa. like, go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like So, but with your family, was it that they were just really accepting and they just held a space for, you know, whatever or – they just didn't talk about it. Like, what was no? What they was it? were real, and I. It's maybe a strange way to word it, but I. I urge parents to do this if you, because you do know, you don't know. Like, yeah, people love to say that their kids are old souls. You mean gay? That's you what that mean, means. <laughs> that's just a that's fun, what they used to. Say. That's what they used to say. He's an old soul. Like a He's little just old, old lady. Old yeah, no, nope. like, no, he just loves Bette Midler. Um, homosexual. The <laughs> my parents from like pretty early on, not like when I was five or something, but, but you do know when a kid's five as well. Um, and also some kids, some, some kids are just dramatic. Sure. But when I was about maybe 11 or 12, we're definitely like, just whenever the concept of like queerness was brought up, it was always brought up in a way that was, you know, that would be okay if you were that as well. Totally. And just, Mm. there was no kind of weird sniggering about it or anything. It was always like, I don't know. My parents were just very upfront. They were never like, you are gay. (laughs) <laughs> but they they built a runway yeah. for me to pretty comfortably do Stride it. Straight out of the closet. Yeah. And, you know, I got a pretty great sister, like, who's a little bit – she's seven years older than me. And mm. I think she was kind of my – by the time I was about 15 or 16, she we, you know, were able to kind of interact as not adults but, like – you know, you always have someone in your I family you bitch, you you bitch yeah. to your par- a bitch about your parents with or yes. some, an ally, an ally in the family. Dominic is an ally in yes. my family, so I have yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You have that, like someone. And so we kind of talked about it a lot. And, yeah, there was just like a nice, I don't know, the way that they actually found out. Like I never, the way that I told them was that they found search history of porn. <laughs> <laughs> Did they actually? Yeah, like it was all, I think everyone knew it was all above board that I was probably queer. Everyone yeah. knew, but I just never but said that But this was loud. like, this was like, okay, this is the confirmation. Yeah. like Definitely gay. Yeah, my, my mum had found, like, I knew how to delete history. This is like early 2000s or kind of like, mm. let's say 2005. So mm. I was about 15. 
I knew how to delete history. I did not know how to delete the auto, like on Google where you type in a letter and all the all the recent searches <laughs> yeah. come down. I didn't know how to do that. So not only not only had did they it's not that they saw the actual porn, they but saw they the words that were... got me there. Oh which is somehow more intimate, I, I think. I feel like that's actually worse because it's like that is it is more intimate because it's like it's not this is what is going on in your head. Yeah, like this, this is, is what, what I want you want to see. What I want to see this and how is... am I gonna get there? Like having to explain to my mum what a twink was was pretty like it's just and like and what even is a twink? Because I guess if you got no context for it, thing that and you know I was fifteen, I was a twink. Your mum might think written, like, is this a snack? Is this a snack? Is it a light thing? pastry? Like, well, kind of. <laughs> um, the yeah, and so that was all kind of uncomfortable, yeah. but but very fine. Yeah, yeah. Like my, I think my, I remember my mum being far more concerned that it was like she's a teacher at a school. Mm. She's now a principal, but at the time she was like a head mm. teacher and thinking like. It wasn't her work computer, but it was definitely a computer that she took to work sometimes. And it's not one that you want, like, your peers to be like, oh, yeah. look oh, at gosh. her, Mrs. Nicholson looking up twins. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> it's not and so best. I think she was more kind of like, so just, you know, just cool it. Yeah. I didn't. I kept looking at a bunch that's of porn. So, but, that's so, but that's so open. Like, yeah. I, I think that's really amazing. And then recently you've come out as non-binary. Mm-hmm. And I think people who are not gender non-conforming and a lot of people outside of the community I think they don't understand they don't understand that and yeah. you know I think it's amazing that you're able to un- arrive at that understanding of yourself so how did you get there I think it's like it's a funny old one isn't it because it's I understand it in my head I understand how I feel I'm not it's still something that I'm working out how to articulate mm. because it is a strange I almost I think sometimes the easiest way to explain it at least this is how I feel in my situation, I wouldn't describe it as any kind of dysphoria or dysmorphia. No. Like it's not the same kind of, and I don't want to say struggle because trans people, are, like it's not a struggle. No. Like, oh, I mean, trans people struggle. But like, look at me. This is like, <laughs> so you get so like nervy talking about this kind of stuff because you don't no, want to like is, alienate anyone. No, but also like I think it's beautiful that you are talking about it because I think the problem is a lot of people are afraid of maybe asking the wrong thing or saying yeah. the wrong thing. And so it's beautiful that you're generous with your experience for that yeah. reason. It feels to me like it's almost like a stance more than like a gender, if that makes yeah. sense. Like I do not really find either side of the gender spectrum, the, the you know, the polar opposites mm. really, like, I do not feel like a woman trapped in a man's body, but I don't really, the way that I see masculinity and the way that mm. the kind of the experience of a man, the way mm. that we all see that, mm. that is not my experience either. So it's like, it just feel, and, you know, I think it's not, it's not as if when I hear he, he I'm like, like it's, ugh. I think it's, it's more just kind of, I don't believe in them. Yeah. And I so if I don't believe in them, why would I conform? Be forced to, to them? identify yeah. with either of these things. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's maybe the experience of some people. I think some people do I think there is a that people talk about like the third sex. Like I think there is mm. that kind of feeling as well. Which is, you know, consistent with things taught in like some indigenous cultures. Oh, and, like, it's like it's, yeah. one of the most, I'm f- completely blanking on that, but uh, through in within a lot of Polynesian cultures, mm. there's a, like we're often the third like the boy is kind of made anyways like it's a it's a whole thing mm. and i people always talk about like well you know what you know we've got to talk about it's not traditional it's, it's like no it's like an ancient this is an ancient thing if you want to not 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 think it's real it's an ancient thing that's been going for yeah. thousands of millions of years and gender is made up is Gen- my it, point it, of it's, view it's, it's a social construct which 
what you just said it's introduced like we've have it, like there are indigenous cultures who honor and respect the experience of like however yeah. you experience your gender that fluidity and then you know gender it's introduced as a social construct like it is different it's a, to biological it's a, sex it's a metric it's like time exists but we invented it to put a metric on it like you know time yes. passing exists yes but like we went well this is a second and this yeah. is a minute and this is that and this is that yeah. And I think it's like, oh, people's idea of gender exists, but we've put a metric on but it. But it's that. It's like it's trying to understand people and make them palatable and yeah. digestible. It's like, okay, okay, well, if I see you and your biological sex is this, therefore you identify with this, therefore this is where you fit in the world. This is what is it should be normal for you. This is how you should show up. And, and that's what it is. And I think when you're talking about sexuality or gender identity, I'm not conflating yeah, yeah. being pansexual with being gender non-conforming or being transgender because I think there are, definitely an understanding. There, there are layers to, you know, within our community, it's not equal. The experiences are very different. But I think there is something to be said about it's all just about honouring a person's lived experiences and and what feels true for them and not trying to enforce that you should be this, you should be that. So I think it's incredible that you've spoken about this openly and and you're sharing this and and, and you're not afraid to just be like, this is where I I identify, this is where I sit and this is what I think at the moment. And and I'm still working it out. And I think that's like I'm lucky that I get to exist in a kind of public space and it's it's one part of I feel – Worthy enough that I this is my experience, so I feel like I can lend my voice to it without it being hopefully not problematic for anyone. Mm. There are plenty of other parts of sexuality and gender that I'm not going to lend my voice to because no. I don't I'm, I don't have an authority on that. And so yeah. why? But yeah, it's one of the few things that I feel like I can talk pretty confidently about. And why would I not? Mm. Um, and it might change. Who yeah. bloody knows? But like, that's the fluidity of it. Yes. That's what I, I literally laugh with my producer because I'm like, am I gay? Sometimes I genuinely like I feel like I'm figuring that out. Yeah. And I, I talk about this stuff very openly for that reason, but it's showing people. And I think it is a privilege, but a little bit of a responsibility not to come out and share everything about your life. Nah. But when you have a public platform, you know, I think if you believe something, you know, speak up for it. Yes. I feel like you do that. Like we know. You married a fellow queer comedian in twenty sixteen to support marriage equality. Yes. Like you're a massive you're a massive, massive advocate and you do you you lend your voice to what you're comfortable with. You know where maybe I don't need to speak here and take up space here. I feel like that's a beautiful thing because that representation and people who are looking at you, yeah, that does change lives. Like I, I think that's a responsibility as well as to not add to a cacophony that you're not gonna be useful yeah. in. Like, you know, there's whole arguments around like, of course I am pro trans rights like of course i am yeah and i but i'm not gonna add my voice to arguments that i don't fully can wrap my head around because it's not my experience and it's mm. not my responsibility to speak for someone in that experience no it's think. knowing the difference between allyship and then potentially taking up space where yes. it's not your territory so let's pivot and talk about drag race yeah because that's coming up yes. and that's where we met and i felt like when we met it was like I felt like the new kid in school because you were showing me my pens and my notes. Yeah, and yeah. Like, you can take notes here and you can do this. It's kind of it's like it's. I think of it as my little unofficial job on the show is because as you're the you buddy, know, you're the buddy. Yeah, I'm the buddy because I'm sitting next to you and they don't always. And this is no. There's a lot going on on that show. Yeah. And I I think this happens on all kind of TV shows. They're not always. And we're we're not used to having guests on the show either. Like mm. by the time that we were by the time we were having you on. They hadn't really like told you guys very much, <laughs> like of like how, or they tell you like 
they don't tell you what's going to happen. Oh, and no. And I felt like it was like my job to be like, all right, so Rue with... Because also we've all been doing it for three seasons and we all yeah. have seen it before. And it's still it very helpful. thrilling to see Rue walk down the runway, but you're not always... Like, you know, you got you got to see the experience of yeah. we see Rue walk down the runway for the first time. And yeah. like, and yeah, knowing like when to talk. Cause I, no one told me anything in my first season and I was so there what alone. Did, like, what did you, cause I just bum- did you, bumbled did you, my way through it. But did you, like, I nearly passed out when I got the call and I was told that they wanted me as a guest judge. I literally nearly passed out. Yeah. Did I, you, like, how did you yeah. feel? And then you turn up and you're like, I'm ready for my first day at work and I don't know what's happening. And I didn't have a stylist and I didn't have like a, 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 a I, it's either, it's only two years ago, three years ago, but it's so funny to me to think of like, you know, I just turned up with my own clothes. Like, <laughs> luckily I wear a lot of suits and stuff, but I just yeah. turned up and like, I, you know, I thought like, oh, maybe there'll be someone on set that gives us little lines to say. Nah, no. like nothing. Like, I think one of the reasons, and one thing I am kind of happy to be like openly proud of is I think I did pretty well in the first season judging on how. Oh, you smashed it. Like, yeah, but it's, and I think it's, thank you. I think it's because I was so nervous and crazy. I made Rue laugh a lot because I was <laughs> bonkers like i just kept <laughs> saying really wild dirty shit and that's through sense of humor yeah and silly things and so i just kind of bumbled my way through it and i think you did a like you were not nervous i mean if you were you didn't seem it but Aww. you did really like we've had some and i won't name any names but <laughs> we've had some real some real quiet people like the fact that you were <laughs> great great <laughs> Perfect. I didn't Perfect. do that. Mwah. I didn't do that though. But you like, you spoke and you spoke with confidence. And I think people are going to really love seeing you on the show no. because you're clearly a fan of the franchise, but you're not. And this is what I try and do as well. Is like, I, I love the show. I know all the references. I know everything, but I'm not there just for that. Like I am also there for the Queens. Like yeah. you, you were really like, enjoying the queens and like giving them real advice and stuff you like you were talking and i was like jesus christ (laughs) yeah what what she what she said as well like but you know what it is it's like what you said about like you turn up and you don't have that prep you made me feel really comfortable because you were like oh you've got this you've got this you've got this but like i think because i was there as miss universe australia maybe people didn't expect me to be like ready with like Smart the dirty jokes yeah. no, but, you know but it's like I also had like really like dirty like crass yeah. jokes to make and that's like me so I you don't need prep for that sort of thing so when I and I love the show so it was just great to be there and be like I get to actually just be me here yeah and I feel like when you watch you on that it's so clear that you're just built for stuff like this. Like oh, thanks, you're, cause it's funny and it's your one line is brilliant and you can tell you're enjoying it without being like, Oh my God, I'm a fan of this franchise and I'm just so happy yeah. to be here. Like, but I think I'm know? always excited. I can't remember if I said this earlier, but I was, I think of myself as the Paula Abdul where <laughs> like, I'm just happy to be, like, I'm just having a great time. I'm never like, I'm, ne- I'm the conduit for the audience. Yeah. Like I'm never going to say that I isn't right. Or you no. should be more cinched. I'm always going to be like, could you have done better than this? Like that's the harshest I'm ever going to do because that's how I feel. Like and give them I'm, constructive as opposed yeah, to like harsh, harsh, like you know, Santino yeah. them. Um, I don't, but like I don't want to be cruel or anything because as like Tom, one of the producers on the show, often says, our community is being attacked all the time. Why would we turn on each other? Mm. And I think even you know, there's 
like all competition reality shows, there's stuff that happens to these contestants that is might seem harsh on the show, but it's this is the oh, nature to of drop a comp- in there, yeah. Yeah, it's like, and it, it's this is what making a competition reality show is. Yeah. Um, you know, there's drama. You got to create drama, and I think we put when we look at shows like Big Brother or Survivor or Idol. Mm. Worse st- stuff happens to them. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's my job is just to be excited to be there and make Rue laugh because that's what I want to do on the show. And yeah. I'm, I, drag is such a, a genuine and deep passion of mine. Like I will say this with my chest as small as it is. I will say this with my chest. Drag queens are some of the most talented people yes. I have ever witnessed in my. Because you're not just dancing or doing makeup you're doing that and you're snatching your wig and you're a comedian and you happen to have choreography and you're making your own costumes you're a one-woman show and they make them do the catering no one ever sees that no yeah i have had them bring you drinks sandwiches and they're serving bar and they're yeah one gave me a massage i was feeling a little bit like tight in the shoulders it's just they got to do everything and it's like and at the heart of it it's entertainment and it's self-expression and so if, if people could know just one thing about drag from your years of being passionate about it and sitting on the show and getting to meet the people behind the queens, what's the one thing you wish people knew? I wish they, and I'm, I guess I'm speaking broadly to potentially maybe outside of the queer community, I hope people understand how important it is. And that sounds really, but drag is at every pivotal moment of the strength or the weakening of the queer community, there is people in drag. And they are usually, because it's a deep, Rude talks about it a lot, is a deeply political act mm. to do what they're doing. And I think it doesn't seem that way sometimes because, fuck, you'd see fucking Barry Humphreys in a dress and you're like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. it's like, yeah. not drag is like a very, and whether it's drag queens or drag kings, to fight against the gender norms yeah. and present it that way. Mm. And it means that by it being such a political act, they are often the, you know, People, trans people in and uh, pe- people in drag were the first people throwing. They they literally were the ones throwing the stones at Stonewall, <laughs> throwing yeah. the bricks at Stonewall. Yeah. And I think that's what I want people to understand is like, yeah, it's fun and it's silly, but it's also this like really important thing to our community. And so when people throw it away as easily as they do, or when people and top to bottom, I guess in the spectrum of issues with it, we're like, when you take your hands party and you grab at the drag queen and stuff, I want you to understand what has led her yes. to be doing that. But at the same time, when you ban it and think that they're, you know, grooming children, I want you to understand, like Trixie Mattel did a really great quote recently that I'm going to butcher, but it was essentially like, we're not thinking about your kids. We're not thinking about grooming your kids or anything like that. We hope that they get to see equality to a point that we didn't get at yeah. our age. And yeah. I don't know, like this is a line I've used before, but I think between the Dalai Lama and the Catholic Church, <laughs> yeah. drag queens are the last men in dresses we should be worried about being their kids. I'm 100%, 100% behind that because I think I actually just saw a video recently which looked at stats on when you look at cases of child sexual abuse and this is just getting real. It, yeah, has, to get, real. No, but it has to get real for a minute because yeah, you know yeah. what? People talk about this all the time and I'm so sick of that narrative of drag queens are groomers. Why? And they say, well, you're putting your sexuality in front of our face and this is what you're encouraging. And... If we're going to talk about that, we need to talk about the fact that heteronormativity is shoved down our throats from the time we're kids. I was taught to be a wife, a bride, have kids. 
when have you got a boyfriend? Like when you're in kinder, like, is that your boyfriend? Is that this, you know, kiss this little boy for photos. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's okay. It's like, you don't have a problem with sexuality. You have a problem with queerness. Yeah. And then when we talk about grooming, if you actually look at stats around this, and I put it in my book, it was that most cases of child sexual abuse. And again, uh, don't quote me on this, but the stat is talking about how it's often people with religious affiliations Mm -hmm. who are at the center of it. Mm -hmm. So the data doesn't lie. Drag queens, I think, you know, if I had kids, but child-free gang here, if I had kids, I'd want them to see, you know, just how beautiful it is when people can show up authentically and live beyond any expectations that anyone or society or, or, you know, gender norms, anything is enforced on them. They can just be them. And that's what, don't you want to teach your kids to live beyond limits? Yeah. Like, I think that's that. It's really interesting what you say about the heteronormativity kind of thrust upon us. I always think... I came quite late to the idea of getting married and or both my partner and I did. And I have always thought it's because we never fairy tales are all about like a man and a woman getting married and all that kind of like, we're never shown as kids, whether it be fairy tales or TV shows or anything. Like, I think we're maybe the last generation that will, that never saw a hat. We were always a victim in SVU (laughs) or CSI or, you know I mean? There was always this light narrative that, well, you know, if you follow your dreams and you are a queer person and you live you authentically, die. you will either die or everyone you love will die and you'll <laughs> yeah. be left crying in the hands yeah. of Olivia Benson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, can you just, can we just see storylines like where a, we just live? We live and, al- and also <laughs> I think it's, it's really heartening now that we start to see characters and I, even though I'm, the imperfect for this show that I was in is like a dumb show. It's really fun and silly and we had a great time making it. But I was quite vocal about, I wanted to, be not just a queer character, but quite like a a problematic queer character, mm. like in a way that I don't mean like I'm the villain in the show, or am I? Mm. I am. Um, but it, I wanted to play. We were always played victims, and I wanted to not be a victim. I no. wanted to be like a kind of douchebag. Yeah. Because you, you, we're finally getting to see that now. More like, dimen- queer- like I'm not just one dimension. We're yeah, not yeah. Just like one there's dimension a lot of stuff going on here. It's not yeah. just like I'm evil because I am gay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I and I feel like that's what we need to see. And that and I talked about that a lot when I talk about how when I was growing up I only ever saw a poo from The Simpsons to say South Asian representation. One hundred percent. So people were like, So your dad must own a seven yeah. eleven and your mum's, you know, head bobs when she talks. Yeah, and yeah. it's like and you've got a million brothers and sisters yeah. and like yeah. And but it's like it's real because then when I was growing up and dating, like, you know, even up until my twenties, I remember being on Tinder chatting to a great guy and he said something to the effect of Oof. so that was my problem. <laughs> I yeah. started the house talking to a guy. The problem was he, he opened with, so, you know, do your parents expect you to marry a nice Indian doctor? And I was like, really? This was going so well. But that's the problem when you see such limited representation and that's why what you do is so important because it's showing I, I'm just existing, actually. Yeah. And I can be this and maybe that. And, and I can struggle. In, and it, and it's not a grim, like I'm not a, I'm not a victim just because I'm struggling. No one needs to be a victim. Yeah. Olivia Benson, we don't need you right now. Although if there is a role going, I would happily be a victim on Lauren Order SVU. And so you can watch Reese on this season and all the other seasons of Drag Race, Down Under. Drag Race Down Under. And your on shows, Stan. I mean, keep up with... Like, Thanks. I yeah. Just, are, I've they, got are there a, more I've coming I've got a special up? on Netflix. We're going to film Reese, Reese, Reese at some point near the end of the year and hopefully sell it to someone like Netflix. But who knows? Someone that wants it. Please buy it, um, Please buy it. Please. please. Or Prime. Help, Anyone. I'll take, I'll take, I'll take Prime. Okay. I've got a book coming out in October 31st called Dish. 
It's a book of essays, just me Love banging them. on about myself. I don't know. That. I'd read it. Yeah. Well, I've loved having you. I can't wait to see you. Can't wait to catch up. I'm going to come to your club. Please. Comedy Republic. Yay. In, on Burke Street in Melbourne. I love you. Bye. Bye.